Okay, I'm glad you're here. This is one of the most exciting parshas of the of the whole Torah. It's parshas Breshis and um, just the beginning of everything. And you know, we're 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 really in these series of talks. We're we're learning parshas Breshis all year long. So so when we actually get to parshas Breshis, it's you know. It's it's awesome, awesome, awesome. The beginning of a new year, so much new energy. Just everything is new, and and um, I was so excited to to find out, like so, somewhat late in life, that 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 I was actually born. The my my sort of birth parsha is Bar- Parsha's Breshis also. So um, that's little little fun fact there. And uh, also, I was born on the twenty sixth of Tishrei, which was kind of cool. So that's um. That's fun because I'm I'm always darshaning the the Yudke Vavke, which is Gematria twenty six. So, so there you go. You know, I, I maybe you know what we're most interested in is sort of like uh, kind of like ingrained in us from birth or into our souls. Who knows? Anyway, I want to just begin by uh, just telling you what 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 for me was a a, a new and exciting thought and. This came to me while I was dancing uh, the hakafas. You know, we we dance with the Torah Simchas Torah. We're we're finishing up the Torah, getting ready to finish it up, and then we, and then we started again. And and so this was um, the 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 night of Simchas Torah, and I'm holding the Torah, and I'm at the Happy Minion here in Los Angeles, and the just the the ruach, the energy is is unbelievable, and people are not just dancing around the bima there. They're like sprinting around the the bima, um, so it's really it's really strong. And like I say, I'm holding on to the Torah, and and people were just like whirling around me, and pretty quickly. And there was one point where I just kind of clutched the Torah, and I was holding it so close, and just just what what, what came to me was like a, a visual of. Almost like imagine like leaves in the wind, like just kind of like a whirlwind of, of of leaves, and I started thinking to myself that every single Jew is a letter in the Torah. So it's like it's not just people dancing around me, but it's like it's like letters, letters from the Torah whizzing around me. And you know we have a spiritual principle, which is that whatever is happening below is going on above. So that means that it wasn't just where I was, all over the world, all the osios of the Torah, all the letters of the Torah are dancing around or are whizzing around. And and then it came to me, like, like they're all, they're all running to the end of the Torah. And, you know, the way the Torah ends We've talked about it before on a, on a different level, but it's a stunning end to the... The way the Torah ends is with the, with the words, Le, kol Yisrael, um, which means before the eyes of all of Israel, and that, that Moshe Rabbeinu did, did signs and wonders and, and, and a display of great strength. And if you look at the Rashi there, it's the strangest way in the entire world, or actually one of the most beautiful and wonderful ways in the entire world to end the Torah, but totally unexpected, which is that we end with a reference. The Torah ends, this is God's Torah. God ends the Torah with a reference 
to Moshe Rabbeinu smashing the tablets of the Torah, smashing the luchos. Um, and, and, and it says that God loved it, that God loved that, that, that Moshe did it. Okay, so lots of explanations, and that's a whole subject in itself. Um, sort of on the most simple level was that since, since Moshe saw that the Jew, Jewish people were sort of like breaking the covenant by, by worshiping an idol, if he ripped up the contract that obliged us to this, then, then he could save the Jewish people. Because then, if there is no contract, then technically we're not doing anything wrong at that moment. So, so it was sort of like a, a last-ditch effort to, to save the Jewish people in God's eyes. And, 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 and that's why God loved it. Um, but there's more and more and more and more and more we can say about what was going through Moshe Rabbeinu's mind, Moses' mind. Anyway, getting back to this idea of these swirling letters and, and rushing toward the end of the Torah, um, there's a medrash that says that, that when, at the time of smashing the, the luchos, the tablets, that actually all of the letters went up into the air. They all flew up in the air. And the Marsha, um, in Gemur B'Sachem, on page uh, 87, uh, you, you can check 87b at the end there, says something really interesting. He, he makes a, an, a, a diuk, an inference, from, from the language of the, of the verse, which says that, um, that, that this happened, again, this is the way the Torah ends, before the eyes of all Israel. Um, but the Marsha says, you had, you know, maybe close to three million people there. How could three million people have seen the actual kind of breaking of the tablets? Like probably just the people up front and maybe to the sides saw it. Like, so what does it mean before the eyes of all Israel? Um, and the Marsha adds that maybe it should have said just before um, Lefnechem, before all of the Jewish people. In other words, it happened in front of them. Not everyone saw it, but it happened in front of them. But that's not what it says. It says, before the eyes of all Israel. So now based on this, the Marsha says something unbelievable, which is that all of Israel saw an event. What was the event that they all saw when Moshe smashed the tablets? They all saw the letters flying up into the air. So that's, that's, that, that's pretty amazing because that must have been a, a, a giant visual. Now, what were the letters made out of? So, so the Ramchal, you know, we always have this concept of body and soul. And we even have it with the, with the letters themselves, that, that, that the letters are a shape. But within the, within the shape of the letters, you have a, you have a soul to the letters. So the, so the, 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 the souls within the letters were flying up in the air. And, and I have to tell you, all these thoughts about the, the end of the Torah and everything, everything that I'm telling you right now, all of these came as, 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 a, later, as a later thought where I tried to understand what I'm about to tell you. Because going back to Simcha's Torah's night, I was holding on to the Torah tightly and everyone was rushing around me and I felt like these were all letters and, and they were all going toward the end of the Torah. 
And then here's the thought that I want to share. This just kind of came to me, you know, dur- during that scene, during that scene of the dancing. I thought to myself, they're all running toward the Parsha that's about to start again. They're all, in other words, we're about to get the Torah new. We're, we're about to start Breshis again, in the beginning, out of beginnings. We're about to start it again. There's going to be a, a whole new Torah that's coming down. And all of the letters from the old Torah, if you will, from, from last year's Torah, are all running to become part of this year's Torah. And I thought to myself, but you know something? They're changing places. Like, maybe what was a, a tzadi, the letter tzadi this year, right? Because we're talking about the, the souls within the letters, the light within the letters, that that it's running, it's going to become a vav in, in, in the new Torah that we're about to read. And that they're, they're all changing places. You know, uh, I haven't finished explaining yet, but, but I want to give you another visual so that you'll understand where I'm going with this and what I'm trying to tell you. I, I had the pleasure, the, 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 the honor, the privilege of being in Uman for Rosh Hashanah by, by Rebbe Nachman's kever. And... Um, I davened in a big tent. There were many, many minyanim. One, one, one minyan had over 5,000 people. They called the Kloys. The minyan that I was davening in had, you know, maybe 2,000 or more people. It was a giant, giant tent. And you had to get there early because everyone wanted to be near the chazan, near the prayer leader, so that you could hear him because there are no microphones. And so people were coming, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes early. And, um, and then even the, the, the first time it opened for, for Marav before Rosh Hashanah was about to start, everyone just ran into the tent. People were just running in to get the, the chairs, the seats that they wanted. And I remember I got a, a seat. It was a pretty good seat, pretty close to the Chazan um, for the first day of Rosh Hashanah. And the second day, I came in even earlier and I kind of ran to my place and there it was taken. I went to another place that was taken. So I, I went to another place and, okay, I was able to get a seat there. Um, but imagine all those people. Those are all the people. Those are all the, the souls of the letters running to which letter, which chair, if you will, they're going to inhabit. And so, so here's, here's actually, finally, at last, the point that I want to share with you. You know, the Torah is new every single year. I was thinking, why is it? Like, how are we to understand that on just the most basic, honest level? I thought to myself, maybe because the lights within each of the letters that we're reading are different lights. Like the souls of all the letters are changing. That's, that's why every time you read the Torah, it's, it's completely different. Because you're actually, the words themselves have a completely different energy and a completely different composition. So that maybe the exteriors of the letters are the same. But the, the inner lights of each of the letters are different. And then I did a little poking around, a little research. <laughs> and I found this Torah, right? Because that, that sounds a little way out, right? Maybe you'll say to me, and I considered this too. Maybe you'll say to me, well, you know, I don't know. Maybe a tzadi from this word in last year's Torah is going to be, it's still going to be a tzadi, but it will be a tzadi in a different word. Like maybe, maybe that, but like 
all the insides of the letters are, are changing places and everything like that. So now listen to this. Something something unbelievable. So the the Alshech, the Alshech says that that the letters when they flew away from the first Luchos, you know where they went? They flew into the second Luchos. Isn't that unbelievable? Doesn't that sound like like going from last year's Torah to this year's Torah? So, so it's a new Torah. We're so blessed. We're so blessed. The Torah is alive. The Torah is absolutely alive. And it's the energy of the entire universe. Okay, I always want to share a good story with you when I can and just report just, just how awesome it is just to be alive, I guess. Um, we, one, one of the things, uh, one of the traditions at the Happy Minion here in LA is that uh, Mordechai Freeman has, has come back from Uman uh, for Rosh Hashanah and he buys like a really nice uh, bottle of scotch and he takes it with him to the Rebbe Nachman's kever, and just he, you know, just davens very hard for for everybody. And you know, he's by the the, the tzion, by 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 the the gravesite itself, and saying tikkun klali and, and and everything, all the rest, all just the the truest, purest, holiest uh, kavanas. And um, and then he brings it back and he auctions it off. So. So that's always very special, and I've seen him do it many times, and it's it's always a, a highlight of the kind of the the holidays here. And so this was my first time to Uman, and I thought, wow, you know, I'd, I'd I'd like to try something like that. So the first the first holy grave that I went to was um, the Berdich of Rebbe, the uh, Rev Rev Levi Yitzchak, um, and um, there was a little kind of. Mini Mart, which looked like anything out of America, even though we were in, I guess, Berdichev, um in the Ukraine. Um, but, but you know, the architecture was exactly the same. It was pretty funny. Anyway, they they also sold liquor bottles there, and I thought, wow, you know, I'm about to go to the Berdichevers. Kever, it would be so great to get a bottle of, you know, something and and kind of do the a similar thing. I don't know if I'll auction it, but just to have it myself, whatever it is. Anyway, long story short, I couldn't decide on anything. No, 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 no bottled kind of like uh, jumped out at me. And they, I don't know, just wasn't working for me. Anyway, then I laid my eyes on one of these tiny little airplane-sized bottles of Jack Daniels, you know, which is about, you know, three inches high. And I thought, ah, yeah, that's, I don't know, that speaks to me for, for whatever reason. Not that I drink Jack Daniels, but anyway, you could just stick it in your pocket and forget about it. And okay, so I bought that. Went to the Berdichevers cover, and that, that that was an experience. And I kind of put it down by the the cover at one point, and whatever was doing my davening, and then and then kind of continued on. And um, so, a couple weeks later, maybe three weeks later, whatever it is, I, I thought to myself, well, you know something, I actually would like to auction this off. Um, so. So as part of selling Chassan Torah, whoever has the, the last Aliyah of the Torah and Chassan Breshi's the first Aliyah, you know, we'll, we'll throw this into. So I went to, I was getting ready to start the auction and I had this 
fantastic new sefer of uh, Reb Shlomo Torres on, on, on Sukkot and Simchas Torah and, and, and all the rest by um, Rabbi Keith Flax, uh, Besimcha, which he did a fantastic job. You got to try and track down this sefer. It's, it's wonderful. And uh, I was learning it all holiday. It just made my made my circus. And I'm actually getting getting ready to auction the bottle, and I put it in my talus bag. And I'm walking across a kind of a large room, and um, you know people are milling about. And I'm just I have the safer opened, the book opened, and I'm just learning it as I'm walking toward the toward the toward the bottle um, that had been by. Rev- Levi Yitzchak, and I unzip the talus bag to get it out, and I, I put the book down, and I grab the bottle, and I go back to the book, and these are the first words that I read, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev. It was, you know, I almost hit the floor. It just... And and not only that, I mean, it's like that alone is unbelievable. But the context was even more unbelievable. It was all about death. It was all about death. I mean, here this bottle had been on his tomb, right? And and basically how the further away you get away from sleep or or the sadness of sleep, the the more you live forever. And how Reb Levi Yitzchak was so far away from the Eitzadah, so far away from death that he slept very, very little in his life. And anyway, just just unbelievable. Anyway, we, we auctioned off this tiny little bottle. It went for $1,800, which is pretty good. And we decided that we were going to pour a little bit into a, a standing Jack Daniels bottle. You know, and so in other words, uh, I also took this to, to, to Rabbi Nachman and to the Baal Shem Tov, so... So we'll have a little bit of the tzaddikim at the Kiddush every week, hopefully, hopefully. Bleenator, moving forward. So anyway, I just wanted to share that story. Just to tell you, just, um, you know, if something's real, it lasts forever. And who is realer than the Berdichever, you know? So. Okay, there's one more Torah that I want to share with you, and... And this is kind of just uh, kind of a big thought, a, bi- a big thought uh, for the whole year, really. And this is on the subject of um, maintaining purity. So, so how do we maintain the purity of the Rosh Hashanah? Well, let's start with Elul, Elul, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Simchas Torah. We're doing Hoshana Rabbah. Hoshana Rabbah was unbelievable. So, so you've got, they say you've got tshuva meira, like the tshuva being done out of fear slash to awe, and then that's one wing of the dove, and the other wing of the dove, you've got tshuva ma'ava, you know, coming, running to God out of love, and you're just flying. And now the, the year starts, right? And, you know, the world gets recreated, the, the flood begins, just... Just a lot of stuff, and um, the flood meaning the flood of this world, the flood of the flood of work, the flood of of everything, kind of overwhelms us. And how do we 
how do we maintain that level? So, so, you know, this is the big question that everyone's been asking since the beginning of forever. So I want to, I want to just kind of maybe suggest an approach. And this, this approach comes from what for me personally was one of my biggest insights over just experientially over this, this, uh, this cycle. And it goes back to Yom Kippur. And it goes back to this idea of the two identical goats. The central avoda, the central service of Yom Kippur was the Jewish people had to take two identical goats, right? That they looked exactly the same. And one was going to go to the holiest place and the other gets pushed down over a rocky cliff and gets torn into pieces, like a fairly violent imagery, actually. And, and so they meet very, very different ends. And the one that gets destroyed is carrying all the sins of Israel. And so they all get, they all get destroyed. They all, they all go away. Um, so, so, you know, if you look in the Ma'aral and you look in the different, the, the different sources, the idea is, well, like, what is, what is this saying to us? Like, what, what does this have to do with me today? You know, um, and and I think on a very deep level, I want to say the following, which is that, you see, I tell you a story. So so years ago, I was I was late for an appointment, and at that that at that period of time, I had a white car. The only time in my whole life I I had a white car, and. You know, it, the way Los Angeles works is behind every main street, just like in the middle of the block, there's an alleyway. And a lot of these alleyways are severely potholed. I mean, like 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 driving through Afghanistan potholed. I mean, really like and and uh, filled with like muddy water and everything like that. Like it's nuts. It's nuts, you know. And I I was just sort of like stressing out massively. I I. I, I thought maybe I can save some time. You know, there's so much traffic just to get to the corner and then there's going to be a lot of traffic on the mainstream, on the main street. What if I just cut through the alleyway? And and so I just like, just stepped on the gas and I went through this like, it's like minefield, you know, and the car is shaking. I thought I was going to like literally break the axle on, on the wheels of my car. Um, and and just big splashes of mud all over my car, and I I I had to go to like a business appointment. And you have to understand, there are a lot of cars in LA. This is like one of the car centers of the of the world. No one's car looked like my car. My car looked like a maniac, a complete maniac, had been driving it, covered in mud, and so even you know I'm, I I don't wash my car as often as I should, but but I couldn't bear like to, to have my car looking like that for like another second. So I actually drove back to my house. And, and here's the reason why I'm telling you this story. I hosed off my car. I had that, like a hose in front of the house. And in seconds, the car was clean. I, I, it, to this day, it blows my mind because I had never seen such a radical transformation happen so quickly. And and how could that be? How could it go from muddy, disgusting black to like white, to like shining white? How, 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 could it, how could it happen? And the reason is because all that mud was just a superficial layer on top of the white car. 
it, it wasn't intrinsic to the car itself. It was a superficial overlay. And this is what all the rabbis are telling us about why Yom Kippur works, how Yom Kippur works, is because all the things that we do wrong are just a superficial overlay over our true selves, which is a pure soul. And this is the message of the two goats. This is why they, they, they look identical. We're going to get into the identical part in a second. But this is why they look identical. Because it's sort of like we, part of the tshuva process, part of returning, part of what we call viewer clarification of our own souls, of like really the refinement and the elevation of our whole life force, is being able to separate the idea that we are, in essence, a pure soul. But then there's this overlay which pretends to be us. It looks identical to us, but it's actually even more kind of insidious than that. Because this superficial overlay of, of, of wrongdoing, right, of hate, impersonates us. It doesn't just look identical to us and could be easily confused for us. It actively impersonates us in this state called spiritual identity theft. Okay, that's a real thing. And the Gomorrah talks about it in, in Gomorrah Sukkah on page 52. It talks about all the different names for the Yetzirah, the, the, the negative inclination. And it says that there's seven names, and the seventh name is Safun, which means hidden. That, that you see, sometimes the, the Yetzirah, the negative inclination, comes to a person and goes, Ah, do that. And, and, and you know it's the wrong thing. And you kind of, you know, wrestle with the temptation of maybe doing the wrong thing, right? But it's very clear to you. There's you and there's the wrong thing, right? So that's, that's one level. That's a, that's a more simplistic level, actually, even though it might be very, very challenging. But then there's the more toxic aspect where the Yetzirah uses the word I. And says, I want this. I would like to do that. Ah, come on, I gotta. Whatever it is, fill, fill in the blanks. Fill in the blanks. They'll be different for every person. But but the idea is it speaks with the it speaks with the word I. And we think this is me speaking. And now all of a sudden these two these two goats become one again. You see, I want to tell you something which hit me as like a big idea, although maybe after I tell you it's going to sound obvious, but I don't know, no one ever told me this, which is that, you know, everyone makes such a big deal on Yom Kippur, your soul is cleansed and all the rest and everything like that. But I never heard anyone stand up and say, but your Yetzirah doesn't go away. <laughs> Yom Kippur doesn't take away your Yetzirah. They're like, oh, oh, I... I kind of wish someone had told me that earlier, even though I sort of knew it, kind of, but it's like very helpful to hear that. Okay, your soul is cleansed, and now the process starts anew because your Yetzirah is still there. And the first thing that the Yetzirah wants to do is to undo all of the things that had happened on Yom Kippur. The primary thing of which was that these two identical goats became separated. I was able to sort of like meet the real me again. Wow, there I am. That's me. Unbelievable. 
And that other thing, that was just a superficial overlay impersonating me. But it's met a horrible death, a violent, horrible death. Fantastic. Now it's just me. I can rest assured that it's just, it's just me again. But then the new year starts and, ah, oh, there's that identical goat again. <laughs> there it is. Wow. Wow. And now it's kind of trying to pretend to be me again. So, so to be able to keep these two things apart. Now, how do you keep these two goats, so to speak, these two aspects of our identity, our pure selves and this superficial overlay, which is the Yetzirah, which wants to impersonate us and convince us that we're something else in order to just get absolutely confused and make the wrong decisions. How do we keep these two things apart? Like, you know, did you ever go for a doctor's exam where they put one lens over another lens and you see through both of the lenses? Well, you, you want to keep them apart, actually. You hear something negative, you say, hey, you know, like Reb Shlomo would say, hey, brother devil, that's, that's the Yitzhahara. You know, if you, if you hear, you know, one of the most heartbreaking things that ever happened to me, I had a conversation with someone who told me all these horrible things he was thinking. And I told him, that's the Yitzhahara. And he looked at me like, what? You mean that's not me? I thought I was the most horrible person in the entire world, that those thoughts came to me. You mean that's not me? So, so this is this is a very very big job. Like, you have a bad thought, you move on. And and by the way, there there's so many techniques of dealing with the Yetzirah. But one of the things that the Yetzirah loves to do is to get you in an active wrestling match with it. You know, if you can practice this, this takes a lot of work. And you, you, if you can do this, though, you're going to be in a great place where the bad thought comes to mind and. You know, you keep on walking. You just keep on walking. You don't engage it. You know, the the, the, the the medrash, the classic visual is that you're walking down the street and then someone waves from you from the other side of the street and then it kind of walks over to you to engage you in a conversation. And they say that's how the Yetzirah works. First it gives you a wave. First the thought pops into your head. And then it tries to get you thinking about that thought, gets you to engage in the conversation and then slowly, slowly it pulls you and it's got you, okay? So the idea is that it waves to you from across the street. You keep on walking. <laughs> you know, you, you don't wave back. You just you just keep on thinking whatever you're thinking. You can acknowledge, okay, that's it's a horror. I'm getting on with my life, whatever it is. But, but, you, but you do that. You do that. It's especially important to do in davening, you know? Just not to engage it. Thoughts will fly into your head. You just, you keep moving. Okay, so, so keeping these lenses apart. Now, how do you do it? And, and I, I want to use all the, everything I'm telling you to say a new shot on the letter Bays, the first letter of the Torah, because we're in Breshis right now. So, you know, I love Torahs on the letter Bays of Breshis. So I'm going to say a, a new, a new idea. Um, and, and, and I'll, I'll just say it right now. I want to say that the the the, the base, the first base of Breshis is, you've got your true self, and you've got this overlay, that's going to try to impersonate you, and just like the letter base is the number two, you've got to keep the two things separate. You've got to keep your true identity, and you've got to keep that other thing, separate. That's it. Two things, you can't allow them to be condensed into one thing, where you. 
have your identity stolen by the Yitzhahara, where we have that done to us. You know, so you keep them separate. You keep them separate, you keep them apart. That's the base of Rashid. In other words, the first thing you got to know if you're going to keep the Torah, first letter of the Torah is telling you, you got to guard the purity of your own identity within yourself. Okay, we all make mistakes. We all have our ups and downs. It's true. But but our souls are pure. And we've got to, we've got to remember that that is who I am. And then, okay, there's this other thing that just kind of buzzes around you, right? But you keep it separate. It's two things. There's you and there's that other thing. Okay. And then we can make it in life. Then we can make it in life. All right. So, so how do we maintain... How do we maintain our purity? How do we guard our purity, our sense of a pure self, of a pure soul? So, David Melech says in the Tehillim, Sur me rava asetov, which means, do, that means, Sur me ra, turn, turn away from evil, from bad, and va'asetov, uh, and do good, okay? So we talked about the Sur me ra, which means turn away from bad, meaning the this voice comes to you, this Yitzhahara comes to you, you go, hey, you, you turn away from it and everything like that. You go, no, nope, I'm turning my back on it. That That's not me. Okay, that's good, necessary, life-saving. Absolutely. But it's not enough. It's not enough. You can't just duck away from it. You have to assert your true self. And that's asetov. You have to run to do good. You have to run to do good. You have to you have to be demonstrative in terms of asserting who you actually are with Torah and mitzvahs and chesed and kindness and, and everything like that. And then when you're engaging both of those twin engines, turning away from bad and asserting your true, pure self, you will be able to maintain that clarity of the two separate entities and you'll be able to really um, make yourself like, you know, just guarded against uh, allowing this identity theft to take to, to, to take its toll on, on us, and and uh, so with with uh, with all this in mind, Hashem should bless us with just the best year, and we should experience all the new lights in the Torah, the Torah new again because it is a new Torah, folks, and uh, just really to be able to break through in all the areas of our life that we need to break through in. Shalom Bayes, Parnasatova, Gesund, Shaduchim, Healthy Kindelach, just everything, everything, everything beautiful, and to give Hashem the most, most, most Nachas Ruach. Okay, so finally, one last thought. Uh, something that I, I was at a wedding and... Um, the the father of the 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 chassim of the groom said something unbelievable, which uh, just ties back to what we were talking about at the very beginning about how the all the letters are kind of just going up and up and up and up that the Torah just keeps on getting holier holier higher higher and deeper all at the same time, and what I, I was just blown away by this observation which I I had never heard before I just just kind of just amazed me. And that's that, you know, we've got, I think it's uh, 54 Parshas in the Torah. And every single Parsha, we, we, we read it on Shabbos, and then we go on to the next Parsha. And then we read the next one 
the next the, the next Shabbos, right? And it, it goes that way for the for the whole Torah. Except you ready for this? Except the last parsha of the year, Vizos Habrachas. That's not read on Shabbos. That's read on Simchas Torah. So, so that that's really interesting because basically the idea is Shabbos is all about closure. You know, you, you reach the pinnacle of the week and and then it becomes a clee for for the blessings for the new week. But you but you start again. It's you know, the the first day of the week is Yom Rishon, right? That's and then you have Yom Hashvi, right? That's that's the seventh day of the week, also known as Shabbos Kodesh, also known as as the Sabbath. And then what do you do? You start again. You go from the seventh day of the week from Shabbos back to the first day of the week. So it gets wrapped up, and then we start again. Not the case with the end of the Torah. With the end of the Torah, it's not on Shabbos. You know what that means? That means there's no closure. That means you just go higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. Right? The letters get to the end of the Torah, and then they just fly up, and they inhabit all the new letters of the Torah. And I want to say one last Torah. This was something that I noticed. It says, the last letters of the Torah are, Le'ene kol Yisrael. Le'ene kol Yisrael. Um, so, if you take the first letters of of of, of, of that, you rearrange them, it spells the word kli, which means vessel, which means that the letters fly up, the, the vessels remain behind, right? But the, but the energy of the letters just fly up because there's no closure, it doesn't come to an end, it just flies up and it inhabits the new kalim, the new, the, the, the new letters, and then we just, we start again and we go ever higher.